0: were a kid? I did. I
1: read up into the 40s before I decided I was too old for them.
0: Oh, wow. I don't know specifically the numbers that I read up into, but I read a lot of them. They were really, really popular in my elementary school.
1: Yeah, everybody read them. Um, I had a girlfriend who we kind of kept on pace together with these books, and I think I stuck it out longer than her, because I think she moved on to bigger and better things. <laughs> I knew I had to stop the day my mom brought one home. And I finished in like two hours. I was like, <laughs> this, this isn't a, an economic use of my allowance anymore.
0: <laughs> oh, man. It makes me want to go back and read one now and just see if I can like <laughs> speed through it in like 45 minutes.
1: I checked one out of the library in, uh, in the Libby app. And I did start reading it. And wow, reads real quick.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing is I remember them being really fun. I don't remember them being scary. I mean, I remember them having scary elements to them, but not being spooked by them, even though I was probably in third, third grade, fourth grade when I read most of them. I feel like there's like a little bit of magic that's lost when you like go back and reread something from your childhood. Oh, I know. So I don't. I had gone back and reread when we did the Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark episode. I had gone back to reread some of them and was surprised at how like kind of flat the stories yeah. were. <laughs> and I don't want that to happen with Goosebumps. Uh, I started reading,
1: uh, welcome, is it Welcome to Dead House? or welcome, That's the first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I forget that they're typically told from the main character's point of view, mm-hmm. which I'm not always into. I I prefer a more like bird's eye view of what's going on when I'm reading a story.
0: I agree. I think that maybe when you're a kid, it's easier to do like self-insertion when you're reading from that first person point of view. But as an adult, I think that we're like, oh, we want to see more of this world that you're building. So I don't
1: want to go back and reread them and ruin it for myself. But also, Kate, I couldn't tell you a thing about any individual Goosebumps story at this point in my life.
0: Oh same. I was trying to think of which Goosebumps book was my favorite and which one like did I want to reference in my craft that we did for this episode. And I like felt like I could remember like a dozen titles and then like zero plot elements <laughs> for any of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can remember some covers. Oh, the covers were
1: great. Yeah, it was such a nice graduation from scary stories to tell in the dark to go to Goosebumps where you had some really cool artwork again. I mean, it was a totally different style, a little more photorealistic, but some fun ideas and some freaky looking monsters.
0: I don't even know how to describe like the artwork on the front cover, but they had this like Hardy Boys element to it, but there was always like something kind of off in in the cover or like a monster like coming out of a locker. It was this great illustrated style um, that I wish that sometimes books today had, <laughs> maybe especially for kids.
1: I also thought that it was cool the way these books notoriously had a textured font. You know, you'd run mm-hmm. your finger across the title and you'd feel literal goosebumps under your skin.
0: Yeah. Nice little gimmick. Yeah, it's very cool. We have gushed about this series, movie. Mm. Oh,
1: R.L. Stein! Oh
0: my goodness! We
1: really enjoyed your Fear Streets, but I don't know about this Goosebumps movie.
0: This one felt like it was for kids. It very, very much felt yes. like a kids' movie, more so than anything else.
1: I felt like I was watching The Polar Express.
0: You know, that's probably got the same amount of tension and thrills as Polar Express. Genuinely. Like, I'm not even making a joke. Like, I think that Polar Express has some moments in it that are, like, maybe more scary than the moments that we get in this movie. It it just feels like (laughs) a hot take, maybe. a real scare, (laughs) go watch the Polar Express. (laughs) I mean, for at least, like, their weird, uncanny valley, like, computer effects for the kids' faces and in the Polar Express, at least. But... This movie just, it doesn't feel like there are any stakes. No. And I feel like you have to have stakes for something to be scary. Right. Well, we talked a bit about the books. Kate, why don't
1: you take us through a quick plot of this movie so that we can dig in?
0: Definitely. So this movie takes place in a small Delaware town where teenager Zach and his mom have recently relocated And they live next door to this uh, grumpy guy and his uh, hot teenage daughter. It turns out that this guy is R.L. Stein. And after the teenager, Zach, and his new friend do a little B&E into their house, they accidentally unleash monsters from the Goosebumps books into this small town. And it is now up to them to recapture and re-imprison these monsters back into the manuscripts um, before too much havoc is wrecked, I guess. <laughs> they just can't have these monsters lose. I mean, no one dies in this movie.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nothing really happens in this, this movie. This is the
0: thing. is like no one even gets injured in this movie.
1: Yeah. A lot of weird things that happened, but nothing really happened.
0: I'm probably going to say this like seven times this episode and it's going to be really annoying, but there's just no stakes. Like we see these monsters come out of these manuscripts. Special effects leave a lot to be desired. Oh yeah. Special effects a la the Polar Express. Yeah. Yeah. It's very animated looking and The screams from the kids are like Scooby-Doo screams. Like it doesn't even seem like they're actually afraid of what's happening. Okay. Okay. But I loved Champ. I love the way Champ would scream. That is true. Champ is a fun character. He's the hometown kid who's trying to be buddies with the new kid. And he's a total nerd. Like he's showing up for his dates in a suit. You can tell he's trying to like move up the social ladder
1: by befriending this hot new guy that's what I thought was going on with him
0: oh for sure he zeroes in on him at that like pep rally or whatever and is like okay <laughs> you're mine the cast in this is pretty surprising I did not know anything about this movie before going A into lot it of good people the cast is amazing the cast is stacked with really really excellent comedy actors Amy Ryan plays
1: uh, the mother, and and she's barely in this movie, um, but she's a really great theater actress. She's in The Wire. She was in The Office. She can kind of do it all.
0: Yeah, and Gillian Bell um, plays the kind of kooky aunt. So funny. And she's from Workaholics. Ken Marino from Children's Hospital is just a random... Coach, gym teacher, yeah, <laughs> high school. A, another throwaway part played by a really good comedy actor. Of course, our our main character is played by Dylan Minnette, who's probably best known at this point for Thirteen Reasons Why, and The Dropout. Highly recommend The Dropout on Hulu. I haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Good you
1: know. Timothy Simons is also in this. He plays Jonah in Veep. So goddamn funny. I was really happy to see him again. I, honestly, I I saw this cast and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> this movie's going to be great."
0: You know, I really felt like this movie w- was trying to be a little funny, a little campy, very light on the scares, like very oriented towards kids. And was really close to being funny. Like it wasn't like it just like wasn't hitting the beats exactly where they needed to hit to like make the jokes land.
1: We had Jack Black, of course, playing the titular R.L. Stein Goosebumps author. And I thought he did a pretty good job. As like a lovable grump.
0: I. I don't know. I don't know if I liked his performance. I feel like I've liked him better in other movies. I was really confused about the R.L. Stein character in here because I was like, what is he? Doing like what is this accent he's doing? Yeah, the real R.L. Stein is from Ohio, and I was like, I don't think people from Ohio sound like this. <laughs> I got the sense that he was trying to come off
1: as somebody who thinks he's better than everyone else, and so elevated his mannerisms and speaking. That's sort of what I got from that accent. But I agree, that's not an Ohio accent. That's just a it's just a a weird accent.
0: <laughs> I thought that he was like. Such a grump! I thought that his the for the character, his code name or his like pseudonym he's going by was Mister Shivers. Like mm. very silly. I thought that Jack Black was probably the right choice for Arlstein. I can't imagine someone else doing this role. I really think he gives it his all. I just think that he's maybe. I mean, maybe he's a little just hamstrung by the writing or something in this movie.
1: Listen, I'm not going to defend Jack Black. I just thought he did all right with what he was given. (laughs) I do like Jack Black a lot. Um, I loved him in School of Rock. He's so good with kids. Mm -hmm. Who's the equivalent of like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but not a bodybuilder (laughs) with kids? (laughs) That's like who he is.
0: I think it's Um, him. I think that would be him. Yeah,
1: (laughs) it's him. He's he's the Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of fat guys that hang out with kids. Yeah, he's great.
0: He also does some voice acting in this for two of right. the big antagonists. Um, He voices Slappy, the dummy, one of like the most famous antagonists like in the book series. And then also the invisible boy. But that kind of means that there's several scenes where Jack Black is acting against himself. <laughs> and I really dislike that in movies. That's just a personal thing. I just like, I hate it when one actor is talking to themselves in a movie. It's a trope that,
1: it gets done a lot and it's supposed to be its own gag and i'm not into
0: the gag either like i'm not into norbit i mean we say it in like austin powers like where it's mike myers talking to mike myers talking to mike my like it's kind of spoofed in that one but then later on in the austin powers franchise it's like just part becomes of thing. how the characters are <laughs> where they're like yeah. all played by michael myers
1: yeah i i don't love it but Side note, there's going to be another Michael Myers movie where he plays a bunch of different roles on Netflix coming out soon. Oh, boy.
0: <laughs> I was like, wait, he's still doing this. Get a new shtick. Anyway. I want to talk about this plot. Yeah, let's do it. This plot was, I don't know, kind of convoluted. Kind of I mean, Zach and his mom, Gail, moved from New York to Delaware And the plot does not make a big deal about the fact that the reason why they're moving is because his dad just died. Yes. I
1: watched this movie twice, totally went over my head, and I didn't pick it up until I read the Wikipedia page about it. And I was like, oh, that's why they moved.
0: How did I miss that? I feel like it was like a throwaway plot point at the beginning that they literally never go back to. And I was like, "Yeah, okay." So you could have used this as like emotional development, or Zach looking for a father figure, in R.L. Stein, or finding himself, or something. And they just they just throw it out there and then don't don't ever pick it up again.
1: Yeah, it's it's a little unnecessary. We meet his aunt, and I think Jillian Bell is probably the best part of this movie. I'll be honest. She, she is one of those really sweet, but really annoying aunts that is not really self-aware of how uncool she is. (laughs) This hat was a gift. (laughs) She gives her nephew this blinged out I don't know. What is it? A New York?
0: Is it a New York Yankees cap or something? Yeah, it's like a New York baseball cap and it's got like rhinestones all over it.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. And this poor kid's mom, his mom works at a school as the new assistant principal, right? She's like the new vice principal. This kid is surrounded by like dorky women.
0: He doesn't really have like a lot of masculine influence in his life at this point. (laughs) But I love the mom. Holly, (laughs) Amy Ryan. She doesn't get a lot of like actual, like funny lines. She plays it kind of straight, but oh my gosh, the aunt. I love the aunt in this movie. Like I like that she's like a little bit horny for R.L. Stein's character. I'm like, oh I love her. I just want like way, way more of her in this movie. She's
1: great and so is Champ, who introduces himself with a friendship business card.
0: (laughs) He's such a nerd. I really like the gag that his his actual given name is Champion. It's not a nickname.
1: (laughs) And I love that the girl he has a crush on calls him Chump. (laughs) Yes. Chump. (laughs) He's good comic relief, I think, in this movie.
0: He is. Yeah. I think it's because our, our main character, Zach, he's a straight man, like with just like all of the like craziness going on around him. Like he's not particularly funny he's just like reacting to the things happening around him so it is nice that we get like champ who's like pretty funny and the aunt who's pretty funny jack black's totally hamming it up this whole movie (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: yeah he is a ham he's super grumpy does not want to have anything to do with his neighbors
0: extremely overprotective of his daughter doesn't want her to leave she of course Sneaks out immediately when she sees that there's a teen boy her age moving in next door. And what is up with the abandoned amusement park that's like, okay, within walking distance of their house?
1: It's abandoned yet completely clean.
0: And the lights work. It doesn't make any sense. Who is paying for this? My taxes. is letting the lights? Come on. It's an abandoned amusement park that has like big rides and a huge ferris wheel like you would definitely be able to see it from a distance which they
1: ride on yes (laughs) like it's nothing i want to know where all these abandoned parks are that are just waiting to be enjoyed for free i would like to go
0: i think it was so funny too how zach was like oh is this like what people do in the suburbs and i was like (laughs) what why are you not asking a a million questions and also you just moved to this town and like it's already super weird and quirky like you should be into this. I was wondering if this is sort of
1: because she's a ghost like is she able to bring the park to life?
0: Yeah maybe. I don't really go
1: into it but I was trying to like do some mental gymnastics to make it make sense (laughs) and that was the best I could come up with.
0: I didn't think about That, but I mean, there's a lot of hand wavy stuff going on in this movie, and I have some real gripes with like the rules of this universe in terms of how these monsters work. I feel like there's too much criteria around like how they come into existence and disappear, but also it's like not internally consistent. Like, the movie itself is for kids and i need to like stop like looking at it from like an adult lens but because this is an adult podcast uh, i'm gonna do that anyway <laughs> it just like i hate it when movies ha- like try and establish rules of their universe and then like don't follow their own rules exactly it just makes the
1: movies harder i think for adults to enjoy i don't think there's anything really wrong with having a movie that is loose with its own rules if it's for kids and it's not really taking itself very seriously but it's going to be hard to get me to want to sit down and rewatch this with a kid mm,
0: mm-hmm. in
1: the future because I am going to be annoyed watching it. This is about where in the movie I check out. This is like 15 minutes into the movie, guys. And this movie's like, what, two hours long? <laughs> I think it's like an hour and 45, but it feels longer. Alex and Champ break into R.L. Stein's house because they hear an argument between him and his daughter. and There's this very Jumanji-esque scene where the book flies open and a monster comes out. Mm -hmm. And that's literally the moment where I'm like, oh, okay, I don't care about this movie anymore.
0: Oh, Jumanji is a really good reference point because I do feel like a lot of this movie feels a little more action-adventury than it does horror.
1: Yes. And Jack Black was also in that one. Right, the remake. Yeah, the
0: remake. That's right. Yeah, that's a really good, like, comparable movie. That's probably about the quote unquote horror level <laughs> here, that we right. see here, especially with this abominable snowman. But as they're doing this, like, breaking and entering into the house, they come through the basement and it just kind of starts this endless, truly, truly, truly endless stream of Goosebumps book references for the rest of the movie oh yes that's the movie the movie I felt like instead of writing to a plot they were trying to write like set design and like dialogue references to like as many of the books as possible it was like beyond fan service I can't even I don't even know how to categorize it
1: And it was really unfortunate for me because I couldn't remember any of the books. I just knew I I was seeing characters and monsters flying from all corners of the screen. And I'm like, I know that's a reference. I just don't know what it is. I wish I had a better memory. But, you know, the, the plot of the movie didn't help with any of that. It could have been anything happening. We're just seeing monsters flying around. We should go through some of them.
0: I mean, they come in through the basement. There's a book called Stay Out of the Basement. Yep. They like specifically camera pan over a cuckoo clock. There's a book called Cuckoo Clock of Doom. Oh, that's right. God, you're remembering so many more than I am. Well, you know, I took notes of the things that I specifically referenced from the books. And then after the movie, I went to the Goosebumps fandom wiki which I will put a link to on the blog so please go check it out that has I'm not kidding when I say somewhere between like 50 and 75 references holy shit book references in these movies and I was like oh there's no there's no way like I didn't even read all of these books I mean even when they go into the library where they see the manuscripts they're just they just start naming Goosebumps manuscripts. It's not even like plot-oriented. They're just like, oh, the Abominable Snowman. That
1: really scared me. Night
0: of the Living Dummy. Yeah, they're just calling things out and the camera's panning over it. And so a lot of the references are like seen on bookshelf, seen on bookshelf, seen on bookshelf, Mm -hmm. seen on bookshelf, which is an easy set design way to get your references in. Especially when R.L. Stein is an actual character. It's so cheap. I don't know. I didn't feel like there was like satisfying payoff from it. No, it it just things kept coming. And I was like,
1: I don't know what all this shit is. And I'm fucking scared. (laughs) (laughs) And then eventually there's explosives on a school bus. Yeah. Yeah. That's where we're going, folks. I had to ask, how does this work? He opens his story and the characters jump out. So how does he write a story? If they're attacking him all the time.
0: (laughs) Right. Okay. Yes. Let's get into this because the rules were driving me crazy. So Stein eventually explains to the kids that when he was a kid, he was bullied. And so he used the powers of his imagination to, like, write things that came into existence. And that ended up creating monsters, and he was able to s- somehow lock them inside of the manuscript. Ghostbusters style. Yeah, as long as the manuscripts stay closed, they're locked in there. But later in the movie, Zach is like, oh, just like write a new manuscript to imprison all of these loose monsters. And R.L. Stein's character says, I have to use a magic typewriter. Right. When did that happen? Yeah. I was like, is it your imagination or is it a magic typewriter? Like, get your shit together. Movie. Like, movie. Like, this (laughs) – I hate this. Me too. That really drove me nuts because
1: then – I mean, it – I was already so little invested in this movie. And then when they come in and turn the entire crux of the movie on its head, I I was like, well – okay, I'm just basically waiting now for this to be over. That's how I felt watching this movie at that point.
0: It gets a little tiresome. I mean, especially because there's very few stakes and then they keep changing the rules on us. We see them recapture a monster at the ice rink just by reopening the manuscript within some level of distance of the monster. (laughs) I mean, it seems like in some cases it's very easy to
1: get them back into the book and in other cases it's they're sort of like put upon by a random rule now thrown in or like a they're maybe they're not at the right angle or they're not the right distance away and it doesn't work immediately and then you know they they change the rules so that there needs to be a magic typewriter
0: yes okay so slappy is the smart monster and he Knows that if he burns his manuscript, then he can't be recaptured into it. But like, this is based on the real R.L. Stein. Like they like people in this universe know R.L. Stein. They know Goosebumps. They know Goosebumps stories. We see all the manuscripts. There are sequels to these books. What happens when you open a sequel? Does it mean that? Another one comes Another out? Another iteration of Slappy. Or can you recapture Slappy into a scene? Like, what are the rules? What are the rules? Why is it only Slappy that gets out
1: of his book? Why don't all the characters in the book come out?
0: Also, Arlstein admits that his daughter is one of these monsters, that he wrote her into existence because he was lonely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: writes a little girl into existence. That's kind of creepy.
0: Okay. I have so many questions about this. Did he write her as a teenager? Does she age? Do they? How does she
1: experience time? Oh my God. Well, I went and looked up this book because I wanted to know how much depth we had gotten into with this character before uh-huh. this movie. And it's it's kind of a cool a spoiler alert. Uh, if you haven't read *The Ghost Next Door* by R.L. Stein, it's the main character in that book. And the twist in that book is that she thinks her neighbor's a ghost, but turns out she's the ghost. Mm. And you find that out on like the last page, oh, right? So fun. you don't even know she's a ghost until the very end. It's like the others. Yeah, it's great. It's I'm sure that's where they came up with that idea. That's
0: cool, actually.
1: Yeah, it is a cool, it, it's a cool book. It's a cool twist. Not that I remember it, but <laughs> rereading the summary, it sounds like a good one. But yeah, I mean, she was written as a teenage girl. She, she plays the role of a normal teenage girl in the book until you realize she's a ghost later.
0: Okay, this is where the movie really kills me then, because the girl... She gets into arguments with her dad. She's like, "I want to go out. I want to do stuff. I get to. Ha- I should get to have friends." Because she's homeschooled too, right? She's homeschooled. Yeah, yeah. And she, but she wants to get out. She wants to do things. And then, at the very end of the movie, when Zach is like finishing the manuscript to end all manuscripts, he knows that she's going to get sucked into the book too because she's a ghost. And she goes, it's okay. I've known I'm a ghost all along. And I was like, Then why are you arguing <laughs> with your dad? Why? I know. Like, wouldn't you be like, oh, I'm a ghost. I guess it makes sense. I can't leave the house. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just
1: so many plot holes.
0: Yeah. Which
1: I yeah. guess a kid could look past. But I had a hard time with it. I had a hard time with these folks Coming
0: up with a plan to put explosives on a school bus, (laughs) yeah. You know, I even went back and reread the wiki page to understand the bus explosive plot point, where they were going to try and I guess trick the monsters into following the bus, and they were going to try and blow the monsters up.
1: Oh my Um, gosh! And
0: I still don't get, like, I still don't get, like, I watched the movie recently and reread the summary, and I still don't totally understand what they were doing. They
1: just wanted a bus explosion scene. That's it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> they just wanted to do their version of Dark Knight.
0: <laughs> well, they do make it to the dance at the end. Oh, my gosh. We skipped over so many of these monsters, Oh, my we'll gosh. We'll come back. They make it to the... I mean, are we talking about the very end of the movie? Like,
1: nah, let's go back. let's let's cover some of these monsters.
0: Let's cover some of these monsters. Okay. so S- slappy. ok. How did he get out of his book? I think it was because when there was like all the Mayhem with the abominable snowman, the some of the manuscripts fall onto the ground, and his manuscript falls onto the ground and like kind of falls open,
1: okay. okay. great. I just wanted to check that.
0: I (laughs) double-checked that because I was like, is this another plot hole? (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking the same thing. (laughs) It's like, it's actually not. But when Slappy is out, he knows how this gig works. And so he unleashes all of these other monsters. And this is where we get, like, the gnome attack. (laughs) Um, I think my favorite was... um, fifi the poodle <laughs> going that after was kind of funny the so the gnomes are f- from revenge of the lawn gnomes and fifi the vampire poodle is from please don't feed the vampire
1: both of which i do not remember i liked the giant praying mantis from shocker on shock street i mean that's pretty iconic from the cover
0: yeah that one was cool um and i liked the that that one was actually like stomping on cars and like actually causing some destruction because a lot of these just seem like they're causing very little mayhem. Even when they're being targeted, like they're driving like all over town and trying to get away from these monsters while they're trying to- In the
1: haunted car. Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, I didn't even have that on my notes. Haunted car, so another one. They make it to a grocery store where they run into- a werewolf from a werewolf of fever swamp uh,
1: actually the werewolf was my favorite monster only because it offered some redemption for champ champ bites the werewolf and it kills the werewolf or gets rid of the werewolf because he has a silver tooth filling and i thought that was fucking gold i love that
0: <laughs> it's such a good like little bit like i mean now he's like chomp yeah chomp <laughs> <laughs> Some of the bits are funny, but they're just like very few and far between. And they're all Champ oriented.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Champ has a a bunch of good bits. But there's also a good bit at uh, R.L. Stein's expense where he gets compared to Stephen King that I thought was funny.
0: I don't remember that, actually.
1: I think they bring it up in the car and R.L. Stein is like, I've sold more than 400 million Goosebumps books. He like kind of throws a little tantrum. In real life, there was this article with... Arl Stein where they ask him, you know, have you heard that people compare you to Stephen King and he's like, yeah, they call me the training bra for Stephen oh, King that's novels. That's so funny. <laughs> when do we see the graveyard ghouls? We also see some graveyard ghouls.
0: Oh, that's when they go and hide in the cemetery that's like near their house is what are they running away that's from a good at place this place to hide? Yeah, are they running away from Slappy at this point or is it the Body squeezers because there's like the body squeezers also that freeze people because we see them freeze the cops too. That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The town is like frozen in place while all this shit is going down. So that's good because that gets rid of the adults who can help them.
0: This is true. It's very like up to the kids plus R.L. Stein. And then even R.L. Stein at the end, back at the abandoned amusement park, of course. <laughs> They uh they lose their one adult because he gets swallowed up by the blob. I forgot that. Oh, he gets swallowed up by the blob. Yeah, he, yeah. he gets swallowed up by the blob, and then Zach has to finish the manuscript. So he gets the typewriter, and Zach is finishing oh, the manuscript yeah. on the Ferris wheel, and he's not a good writer, which is why he says all monsters get trapped and doesn't think to add except for Hannah. That would have solved a lot of problems. Right? (laughs) There is a nice
1: little joke about R.L. Stein writing a manuscript and the concern over how how long that might take. And he goes, it's okay, I write really fast. (laughs) R.L. Stein writes really fast. Yeah. I also enjoy the end gag when they are back at school. And R.L. Stein is a substitute teacher now because I guess if you can write a bunch of books, you can teach. Not really, but R.L. Stein is a teacher at the school, and Mr. Black, who we meet in the background real quickly, is the new drama teacher, and that's actually played by R.L. Stein. So they do a little swaparoo at the end.
0: Yeah, it's a cute little cameo. That was cute. I I appreciate when they can actually pull in the author, because then then it means that there's the author's Mm -hmm. blessing, like is implicit in that too, which is nice. Super weird that he wrote a new manuscript. His da- bringing his daughter back,
1: <laughs> yeah, so that she can have sex with Zach now. Full circle.
0: Yeah, I mean they don't say that he's cool with it. But we, we get, we know that's what I assume we know. is happening. We know what's happening.
1: <laughs> we know what that ghost wants.
0: Oh man! And then um, there's a little cliffhanger because the magic typewriter is typing itself. No, it's the invisible boy. That's right. How did Zach say? all monsters are getting sucked back into the book and it grabbed everybody except for the invisible boy well it couldn't see him Kate so So does that mean it can never see him like is he always gonna be free I just don't think this movie even cares also why was the invisible boy if he's already free why is he writing a manuscript called the Revenge of the Invisible Boy. Like, why is he right re- Yeah. Wouldn't he want other monsters to come out? I don't know. I'm not going to watch the sequel, so I'll never know. <laughs> Maybe
1: he's writing another book so that there can be two of him, like what we were talking oh my about gosh, with Slappy. That's what I mean. Maybe the sequels are, like, just extra portals for that character. Like, oh, if your book burns or something, then you can get back through another book. I don't know. I don't
0: know, Kate rl Stein doesn't even seem to know like what the rules of this whole like thing are because he wrote his daughter into existence and then didn't burn her manuscript. Like he like kept her manuscript. Maybe he's like, I'll be I'll be done with Because I changed my point. mind. I need a six hundred and thirty fourth
1: trimester abortion. Know, he's he, <laughs> I'm gonna he's burn like, the book. I'm gonna
0: call this Plan C.
1: <laughs> Plan G for goosebumps.
0: Oh, dark. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh boy, I know, terrible. But we are a horror podcast, so we are allowed to go there. I know,
0: and this one had so few horror scares in it. Like I mean, I I can't even name one.
1: You're right. I mean, just the general sense of being chased by monsters I guess is scary, but like you said earlier, there is never a moment in this movie where I actually think somebody's going to get hurt.
0: Your comparison to the Jumanji remake It has just like really kind of like blown my mind because this is completely in that genre. It's in that family-friendly action-adventure movie. Like that's really what they're going for. Totally. Would you recommend this movie, Megan? No. I don't ever
1: want to watch this movie again. I think this is probably my least favorite movie that we've covered
0: on this show. That's amazing because I wouldn't recommend this movie either. I don't think it's worth your time. I had many movies that I liked less than this. Apollo 18, not good. Seed of Chucky. Okay, but Seed of Chucky I would
1: watch again with you just because it was so bad. Like Seed of Chucky to me was like Jason X bad. So it was fun. Saw
0: 7. I have
1: seen saw seven many times i mean i have and too, i still enjoy so it
0: bad.
1: it is bad so i don't think this <laughs> let me backtrack <laughs> a little bit because i will say that i hated rubber more i did hate rubber more actually i would i don't ever want to see rubber again i'm so glad i made you watch that movie this one I, I don't think it's a worse movie than the ones you've talked about i just don't want to watch it again like i did not enjoy watching this movie But no, I don't think it's the worst movie we've seen. It's just not for me. I really wish they had just done a better job with the TV show, honestly, Mm -hmm. because I feel like that's the only way to give Goosebumps the love it deserves is by breaking it up into an anthology or like limited series or something like that. Even Castle Rock. Have you seen Castle Rock? I haven't, but
0: I've heard it's good.
1: Castle Rock is a show that takes place in the universe of Stephen King. So it's sort of like this where it's an amalgamation of a bunch of his stories and it doesn't necessarily play the story straight, but it takes those references and turns it into like a community of Stephen King nonsense, right? And I feel like this is a really good universe for that type of show. Uh, it just needs to be done right. And I don't I don't think this this book series has been done right yet. I do think kids will like it, but I don't think their parents will like it as much.
0: What age range would you recommend this for? Oh, any. Yeah.
1: I don't think little, little kids would care. It's too long, maybe, but I don't think it would scare them. I don't think there's anything about this movie that would prevent me from showing it to any kid.
0: I also agree that any kid could watch this, though. There's very few scares. All right.
1: Well, the best part of today's episode lies in the crafts that we have done.
0: We did perler bead art for this one, which I had never done before.
1: I'm so glad you got to do this for the first time. I grew up doing perler bead art and uh, I don't know what I did with any of those, those things that I made, but I really enjoyed it.
0: I thought that this was really fun. I thought that doing perler bead art was very meditative because you're having to sort through the beads and very carefully, place them and think about your design and like Mm -hmm. the colors and how they work together so I was like oh I'm super super into this
1: oh yeah let's see what you did
0: okay so I wanted mine to be based on my favorite which was say cheese and die oh cute! and so I made a little camera with a skull lens (laughs) I love it that's so cute
1: I want to make it into a little keychain or something
0: (laughs) So my second one, I actually liked the colors better, but I totally had my iron on too hot and oh. like completely melted the second one. So I ha- my first one that's in that kind of baby blue, I still have, but the second one is garbage. So I would need to make another one, <laughs> but it was really fun. So I would definitely do it again.
1: I love it. I love that you made like a Goosebumps themed craft. I did not go goosebumps with mine. What I did was I actually had no idea what I wanted to do at first. So I went to Michael's and I just bought a big tub of beads. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what I did. You you can see all my beads were just like in a mess of color.
1: (laughs) And for some reason, I picked the tub that had like natural colors too. It was sort of like a forest, forest tub. And I, whatever, I just went with what, what was there. I knew I wanted to do something rainbow and I wish I had just gone and bought actual, like (gasps) a rainbow tub of beads. Megan, that's
0: incredible. That's so cool.
1: Thanks. I wanted to make something that I would actually use and put somewhere. So I looked up this rainbow wind spinner and there's pictures of it on the blog, but it's basically just one of those dilios that you hang out in your garden and it spins in the wind and it looks almost like a staircase when you uh, as it spins. So each bar is a different color and you can kind of see up close that as I was running out of colors, I had to kind of blend just to get the idea there.
0: The blending looks really cool though. Wow, that's so awesome. I made like a children's version of Perler art, and you made like the grown up version of Perler art. It's very, very cool.
1: <laughs> I just wanted it to be something I wouldn't throw away or lose. And I think those little wind spinners are cute. So I made a wind spinner. The Perler site has a ton of free patterns that people can grab. So. It's a good resource.
0: Yeah. I I went really, I mean, probably because I'd never done this before, I went very by the book on like, oh, you make a yeah. pattern. And I had a lot of fun coming up with like, it's because it feels like pixel art, right? Like coming up with yeah. like, like, oh, how do I make this look like a real camera and like make the little skull and the lens? Like I had a lot of fun doing it. Yours is so beautiful. I'm obsessed with it. It's like awesome. And I love that you made something that you're going to reuse because it is plastic it's plastic parts (laughs) and when I when I messed up my second one I was like cool I just made something for a landfill (laughs) (laughs) a landfill thanks you I know and like this the the other one I made is is cute but like it also is kind of of funky like and I am probably not going to use it as a Keychain, so it's probably going to end up getting thrown away at some point. Also, so if you're going to do perler art, please follow Megan's lead and not mine. And please, please, please make something that you actually hang and use in your house, or use as a keychain, or something, or a lanyard, or whatever, because it does take a lot of plastic parts to do it. Stick
1: a magnet on the back, and then you have a magnet for your fridge. Kate, there
0: you go. Okay, so there's options. There's options.
1: Well, I had a lot of fun talking about this movie that I didn't really enjoy, (laughs) and doing the craft for it.
0: Me too. We are in the very back half of our kids season with only two more movies left. So make sure you're caught up and we'll see you next week. This was not quite dead. Check out our other episodes wherever you
1: listen to podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at notquitedeadpodcast and on
0: Twitter at
1: nqd underscore podcast.
0: Follow our blog for bonus content at notquitedeadpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. And happy watching.